0: The world around us understands the value of partnering together for a host of things. Companies form alliances. Consider the airline industry where various airlines have formed an alliance back in the day, I'm not sure if it's still called so, but the Star Alliance, they're still around. Companies would form alliances, partnerships, working together because they figure out if we work together, uh, we are more efficient. We get more done by working together. Nations also form alliances. Just consider what's going on in our world today uh, with the UN uh, or with NATO in particular as we think through the, 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 the the stabilizing situation with the war in Ukraine. And considering countries after World War II realized the value of getting together, forming alliances to protect and promote and preserve peace. Whether or not they're effective, we don't know. And certainly, that's the desire to join forces, to put resources together, because together we're stronger. Uh, Even this week, uh, I read in news that Sweden is closer to joining the the NATO alliance, and it's a big deal in the geopolitical uh, environment of Europe. We understand the value of of partnering together. The world understands that. Society understands that. You don't have to be a Christian to understand the value of partnering together, forming alliances together. But if even non-Christians understand the value and the benefit of, of partnering together for the sake of accomplishing a particular goal, how much more so is it important for us as Christians to understand the value of partnering together for the sake of gospel ministry? And this is what we get to see in the passage from Romans chapter 15, the passage we will be working through this morning Uh, uh, Romans chapter 15, we'll be reading from verse 22 to verse 33. Would you open God's word to Romans 15, 22 to 33? And if you're new to our congregation, you may find this passage uh, in our pew Bibles on page 950. And uh, we encourage you to listen along and keep the Bible open throughout the message as we will be working our way through it. Romans 15, 22. Here is the word of God for us This morning, the Apostle Paul says to the Church of Rome the following, This is the reason why I have so often been hindered from coming to you. But now, since I no longer have any room for work in these regions, and since I have longed for many years to come to you, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain and to be helped on my journey there by you. Once I have enjoyed your company for a while, At present, however, I am going to Jerusalem bringing aid to the saints. For Macedonia and Achaia have been pleased to make some contribution for the poor among the saints at Jerusalem. For they were pleased to do it, and indeed they owe it to them. For if the Gentiles have come to share in the spiritual blessings, they ought also to be of service to them in material blessings. When therefore I have completed this and have delivered to them what has been collected, I will leave for Spain by way of you. I know that when I come to you, I will come in the fullness of the blessing of Christ. I appeal to you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf. That I may be delivered from the unbelievers in Judea, and that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints so that by God's will I may come to you with joy and be refreshed in your company. May the God of peace be with you all. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Would you join me in prayer, asking God to bless the preaching and the hearing of this word. Let's pray. Gracious Father, we thank you for the word that you have just uh, given to us to be heard, to be proclaimed. Lord, we depend on you, I depend on you for proclaiming this word today, and we as a congregation depend on you for hearing it well. Would you speak to us by the power and the presence of your Holy Spirit and for the glory of Christ. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Is the spread of the gospel worth partnering for? There are many things in this life uh, that people partner up for, to accomplish, to do better, to be more effective at, whether it's businesses, governments, nations, peace. There are various reasons. The question I have for you this morning is the spread of the gospel Worth partnering up for. As we see from this passage, the Apostle Paul uh, makes, it, makes a very clear and bold statement that absolutely the spread of the gospel is worth partnering for. As a matter of fact, Paul is telling us through this passage and the argument he's making and what I'm hoping to, to convince us of by the, by the hope of the, and help of the Spirit is that the spread of the gospel "...is not a solo experience, but requires partnering with others." The spread of the gospel is not a solo experience, but requires partnering with others. And this partnering in this passage has three facets. These are not not the only facets that we, we can think about partnering together with one another and with others for the sake of the gospel... But there are at least three three facets in this passage that unfold what that partnering looks like. We partner in gospel ministry by giving, by praying, and by spending time with others. We partner in gospel ministry by giving, by praying, and by spending time with others. Now, why would we partner in gospel ministry? Why should we partner in gospel ministry? The big answer is because Jesus is worth it. Because Jesus is worth it. God declared, even in the Old Testament, that his name will be known and proclaimed from the rising of the sun to its setting. And the question I have for you, can you find a place on earth that is outside of those parameters? Is there a place on earth in the span of 24 hours where a place is outside the reach of the sun rising or the sun setting? Nowhere. And God made it clear that his name will be proclaimed from the rising of the sun to its setting. Now, in order to accomplish this purpose, to accomplish this goal, to accomplish this grand aim that God has for his name to be proclaimed among all the nations of the earth, we cannot do it alone. We must partner with others for the sake of gospel ministry. Now, for those of us who might be here this morning and you don't understand, why would Jesus be worth it? Why why is it a big deal that the name of God would be proclaimed among all the nations of the earth? For one, because he's the creator. He made us all. He made all things to be a reflection of his character and of his likeness. As a matter of fact, he made you and me, human beings, to be supremely in the image of God. Even the way he made us as male and female in our complementarity, equal in our dignity, equal in in our value as human beings, and yet different... In our roles and responsibilities is a picture of the beauty of our one God in three persons. Each person of the Trinity is equal in value, in substance, and yet they have different roles. They accomplish different responsibilities in our salvation. In a similar way, God wants us human beings to reflect his glory. His majesty, His image in all the earth. But the reality is, the crown of God's creation, humanity, has rebelled against God. We have turned our backs against Him. We said, we don't want you, and we, do not, are, we are not wanting your glory. We want to pursue our own glory. That's how the book of Romans started. Humanity, even though knew of God, knew of Him, did not consider God to be Worthy of praise and adoration. Did not give him thanks. Did not honor him. And therefore we deserve rightly death. Not only physically but eternally. The the, the punishment of spending the rest of eternity in hell. Rightly deserve it because we have rebelled against the greatest justice in the world. And yet God in his mercy. In his love. He sent his son, his only begotten son, Jesus. To take the punishment that our sins deserve. To pay fully for all our sins, for all our rebellion, so that through the death of Jesus, and then through his physical resurrection on the third day, that you and I, people like us, could be reconciled to this creator if we trust in Him and put our faith and reliance on the, on the sacrifice of Jesus alone so that all those who repent of their sins and trust in Christ could be made right with our Creator and could enjoy fellowship, could enjoy a right relationship with God and then with one another. Well, friends, Jesus is the only way to make us right with God. And because Jesus is the only way to make us right with God, there's no other way Because of that, his name is worth proclaiming among every nation of the earth because there's no other way for the name of God to be made known and for people to be reconciled with his God outside of the name of Jesus. That's why this aim of, of making Christ known and spread to the whole earth is worth partnering for outside of people knowing Jesus. They will spend eternity in hell. So how do we partner? He is worth partnering for. We're not called to follow Jesus alone in isolated experiences. We're called to partner together as members of the church. And we're called as a church to partner up with other ministry partners so that in places where we cannot physically go or we just don't have the opportunity to go, we're not called to go, but others are, we can support them in that work so that the name of Jesus would be proclaimed in every nation of this earth. Three ways in which we partner for this gospel ministry. The first one is by giving. We see it in this passage. We give of our resources to support the spread of the gospel, not only in our city through the work of this congregation, but also to support the work of the gospel, as it's being spread to the ends of the earth. Look at Paul's hope in this passage. He is writing to the church of Rome. He's telling them he is coming to them finally. He's about to be able to visit them. And he's hoping that as he is on his way to Spain, that he, that he will be helped by them on the journey. Look at verse 24. I hope to see you in passing as I go through to Spain... And to be helped on my journey there by you once I have enjoyed your company for a while. Paul is is counting on Christians, on churches, to help him financially to continue to, to go on this endeavor of making Jesus known in new places. Now God has called Paul, the apostle, to a special ministry, a unique ministry. As an apostle, he was called to take the good news of God's salvation particularly to places where the name of Jesus had not been proclaimed. Earlier in, in, this, uh, in our text, in verse 22 and 23, Paul says, this is a reason why I have, not, I have so often been hindered from coming to you. But now, since I no longer have any room for work in these regions, what a strange phrase for the apostle to say, I've worked myself out of the job. In these regions in these areas what does this mean there's no more room for the Apostle Paul to work in those regions well his call as an Apostle was particularly to break the the gospel into new territories not only to preach Christ but to establish churches uh, that would be sustaining themselves and able to flourish and multiply and the gospel to continue to spread in, in, in a region In other words, Paul, when he thinks of his role as an apostle, he was not simply going to a place uh, and just moving on from that place to another. He would oftentimes come back to the same place to make sure the believers that have responded to the gospel would actually form churches, that they would actually have elders, that they would actually have deacons, that they would actually do church discipline when necessary, that they would love one another well, that they would serve each other, they would keep each other accountable. Paul, when he thinks of his role as an apostle breaking new territories for the gospel, it's not just evangelism in terms of personal evangelism. It's the role of planting churches. Because evangelism, when it bears fruit in a region, it produces churches. And those churches, they're supposed to grow, to multiply, to become self-sustaining, to have their own indigenous leadership that that can guide and, and, and help that church mature so they can continue to take the gospel in their region. And when enough churches have sprouted and multiplied in a region, Paul says, I'm, I'm done planting churches. These churches are established. These churches are growing. Yes, some of them had some threats and some weird things going on that Paul had to go back and correct them and sometimes shy them and be quite nasty at times with them, in a godly way nasty, uh, confronting them with a, with a clear, direct way. Paul has gotten to a place where he realized in this whole region there have been enough churches planted that now they can take responsibility for the, for the spread of the gospel in that region. I must go in new areas. For Paul, the spread of the gospel, great commission work, was not mere evangelism, but evangelism leading to church planting. And only when churches were formed in a region, established and now secure, he feels like his evangelistic work is done. And this is a corrective for missionaries who think like they're going into a place just to preach Jesus, but have no idea what it means to plant a church. We should be weary and cautious of missionaries who go into a place only to to spread the name of Jesus, but have no idea how to plant churches or what a church is. We want to be cautious with that because we see here in Paul, he realizes his finishing assignment in a region is not only when he personally went around and talked about Jesus, but when he planted churches and saw those churches strengthen and self-sustaining. But as he is going to a new territory, Paul is writing to the Church of Rome, which he did not plan. He had never visited it. Others have labored for this church. He's writing to them, and he says, Listen, I I would love for you to support me in this work. Not all believers are called to go on a mission trip. But all Christians should assist in some way to the spread of the gospel by contributing financially to the advancement of God's kingdom. Some people are goers, like Paul. And some may be going for short-term trips. Others may be going for long-term trips. But others are not goers. They're stayers. Actually, there's a better support for stayers. They're supporters. Holding the ropes for those who are going. This is why, as a church, our mission's priorities to support gospel partners uh, are focusing on those who are particularly spreading the gospel or equipping pastors who are laboring to make God's word known in other nations of the earth where we either it's hard for us to go or it's hard for us to stay there Uh, that's why the elders desire for us as a church that we give a significant part of our of our finances as a church a noticeable part of our finances as a church to support gospel ministers gospel workers uh, that are laboring not only in our city but in our state in our nation and then to the ends of the earth As a church, we want to consider carefully, and the elders are involved personally, in in carefully assessing which are the ministry partners that we as a church can and should support. And once we commit to a ministry partner, we want to stay engaged with them. We want to support them. We want to have relationships with them. As a matter of fact, usually, we will only provide financial support to the ministry partners that we already have gotten a chance to know. Because we want to support those who we have some clarity about their faithfulness in the gospel ministry. About their faithfulness in the holistic approach to evangelism and church planting. But realize that we as a church have a responsibility to partner up with others because we cannot do it all by ourselves. It's a a, a great privilege for us as a church to have one of our own members have been called and sent out to serve the nations in the Middle East, thinking of Ruth. Uh, we have other gospel partners who are already serving in other countries. Uh, Titus Akim in Romania, Emmanuel University, providing scholarships for them, particularly for the pastoral theology department, equipping, helping them equip pastors uh, to be shepherding churches in places that we physically are not able to be. We join other Southern Baptist churches to plant, to revitalize, To send missionaries to equip pastors who are getting trained in our six uh, SBC seminaries. Tonight at our prayer service, I'll be reading a ministry report update from one of the IMB missionaries who is serving in the 1040 window. So we can be praying for him and we have supported him financially. Uh, We also have joined the Pillar Network uh, within the Southern Baptist Convention uh, as a strategic network to plant with like-minded churches. Uh, We support other ministries like the Simeon Trust and Nine Marks and others who are uh, faithfully equipping pastors and training others up to take the gospel to where we are not able to physically be. But we as a church, when we give to faithful ministry partners, it's a way by which our church is contributing to the spread of the name of Jesus to places where we are not physically able to go. Friends, our joy as, a, as pastors in this church is when at the end of the year, our missions giving, that even just what we give to support ministry partners outside the walls of this church, is going way above and beyond the minimum 10% goal that we have set for ourselves. It's The closer we get to the 15, 20, even beyond 20% of the budget, it's a joy because that means the name of Jesus is continuing to be multiplied and spread in places that goes beyond and above what, what we are able to physically do here. Friends, when we give to the local church here, we are contributing to the spread of the gospel, not only through what we do as a church in our city, but also through the strategic mission partners that our church has relationships with. And our commitment to you as, as elders and, and uh, spiritual leaders is that we want to strategically think of what are the most strategic gospel partners that we, for the size of our church, can contribute to. You may not be called to be a missionary in the classic word to uproot yourself and, and go to a different nation like the Apostle Paul was called to do. But together as a church, as we partner together, we can actually partner in the spread of the gospel to make the name of Jesus known. So we partner by giving, particularly giving to the spread of the gospel. But our giving, our partnering in giving is not only to spread the gospel, our partnering in giving is to display the gospel. What do I mean by that? Our giving actually puts the power of God to unite people together through the gospel, our giving actually puts that on display. How and how do we see that in this passage? Look with me with what Paul is saying to the church of Rome. He's saying in verse 25 that uh, before he gets to Rome, he actually has to make another stop. It's like, hey, I'm finally coming to you, but before I'm getting to you, oh, let me just tell you, I'm right now on my way to another big city. And surprisingly, what keeps keeps these two scenarios together, hey, I'm coming to you, would you help me? But I'm going to this other city first. And what I'm doing there is somewhat surprising. Paul is going to Jerusalem, and the purpose of of going to Jerusalem is to deliver a collection, a a gathering of funds that the Gentile churches and non-Jewish Christians have collected for the poor believers, Christians, and the church in Jerusalem. And this collection is not simply to alleviate general poverty, but particularly to help the poor among the people of God. Now, this is a surprising fact for Paul, especially after we heard him that his ambition is to take the gospel to new territories. He's done in one region. He's going to a new territory. That's his ambition, to preach Christ where he has not been proclaimed, but he says, but actually, I got one more thing to do, and that's to go and personally deliver a bag of money that churches have put together. And as you're hearing this, it's like, Paul, couldn't you find some other people to go and deliver that gift? Why don't you just keep going preaching Jesus? Keep going to the new territories. Don't, don't let this to distract you from the gospel ministry. Couldn't Paul send somebody else? Plus, Paul makes it very clear in this passage that going to Jerusalem is risky for his life. He's going to ask the people of Rome to pray that he will be delivered from the unbelieving Jews, from the Jewish people who, did, who would refuse to put their name for their trust in Jesus. So Paul's life is at risk. Why would Paul risk the ability to go to new territories for, for the sake of delivering this collection himself? Friends, this collection was a tangible display of the power of the gospel to bring Gentile believers with Jewish believers together. By delivering these funds himself, Paul wants to show the Jewish Christians in Jerusalem, hey, your Gentile brothers and sisters in Christ... It's not that they're just brothers and sisters just in name only, far away, that you don't know them. They love you. They're part with you in the same family. And they love you so much that they actually want to contribute to the needs that you have as a church family here in Jerusalem. This gift that Paul is giving to them is actually a display that this mutual interchange of resources is actually a debt, an owing, because that's what the gospel does. We actually become a family so that we share together in the inheritance that God has given us. Where do I see that in this passage? Look at verse 27. Paul describes this collection. And by the way, the collection, uh, more details about that collection, uh, the churches in Macedonia and Achaia, um, was read by our brother, Jaron earlier in 2 Corinthians the collection from 2nd Corinthians 8 and 9 is this collection listen to how Paul describes this act of giving verse 27 for they were pleased to do it and indeed they owe it to them meaning the Gentiles were pleased to do it to take the, the offering and they owe it to them to the Jewish Christians For if the Gentiles have come to share in their spiritual blessings, they ought also to be of service to them in material blessings. The language of coming to share in spiritual blessings is the language of the inheritance that God promised His people, even in the Old Testament. If the Gentiles were included in the spiritual promises that God made to His people Israel in the Old Testament... And now the Gentile believers are brought into that family inheritance. And now they, they have access to those promises. Paul says, hey, this is a two-way street. It's not just sharing in the spiritual blessings. We also now have, a, if you will, a debt, an owing to share in the physical. In other words, we're all sharing it together. We're in this now as a family together. Together. So Paul describes this act of giving not only as a pleasing desire. They were pleased to do it. They were doing it rejoicingly in the, in the passage in 2 Corinthians 8. We heard from Paul that actually the churches in Macedonia, and they actually begged for the opportunity to contribute. What a weird, What a weird thing to say, can I contribute to this? They begged for the favor to give, because that's what the gospel does to us. It's not merely that we we just it's not merely a debt, uh, an obligation. It's a it just causes this joyful willingness to want to give to those who are in need, particularly in the household of God. And now Paul says, listen. Not only they were pleased to do it, but they owe it to them. It's also an obligation. And here we see the principle that now that Jewish Christians are family with Gentile Christians, it's an exchanging of the blessings that God has given each of these camps. So, Paul felt personally responsible to deliver this collection from the Gentiles to the saints in Jerusalem to show them, to, make the, to bring them the evidence. I have been preaching to you that the gospel unites people, brings people into a family together. Paul wants to physically deliver this gift as a tangible evidence that the gospel truly unites people. This collection was an evidence of the power of the gospel to unite people. So that if you read in verse 27, we read that the Gentiles showed their delight to share, But what remained unclear is in verse 31. It would remain unclear if the Jewish Christians would accept the offering. Paul asks them to pray that this collection would be accepted. That's a weird request to pray. Why would the Jewish Christians not accept the collection? Because... Accepting it was a form of endorsing and embracing. Yes, the gospel unites us. And Paul is thinking, who knows? These these Jewish Christians may still be struggling with this unity between Gentile and uh, non-Jewish and Jewish Christians. So Paul wants to personally be there to be a part of that deliverance. Oh, friends, this is what the gospel does to us. It unites us to God and to each other. That's why we call each other, for those of us who are Christians, brothers and sisters in Christ. That's why we have a benevolence fund for those even among us who are going through for significant difficulties and, and financial troubles. That we have a fund set aside to help even those among us. We also help others who are from God's people uh, in other places around the earth uh, with physical needs because we are acting like a family this is not just a spiritual reality it has tangible manifestations of that reality so when we encourage each other to give to the Lord to give to this congregation we want to steward the resources that the Lord leads you to give joyfully willingly uh, as as an act of worship and steward those well because when we steward those well we put on display We're in it together. We have partnered together for the sake of the gospel. Not only to spread this gospel, but also to show the power of this gospel to actually bring us together. We live like a family. Friends, giving and sharing in the needs of other churches shows not only that we are uh, together as a congregation, but with other congregations we are together in this work. We need one another. We need to share our lives with each other. We need to share our resources with one another for the sake of the name of Jesus because this gospel transforms. This gospel reconciles. This gospel brings an impact that no government policy, no business project or enterprise or product can bring such a transformation in our lives as much as this gospel. If the world knows how to partner together To put resources together for the sake of peace, for the sake of uh, prosperity. How much more should we for the sake of this gospel who brings us the peace of God? We need one another. We need to do so for the sake of this gospel. But we also partner in gospel ministry not only by giving. We partner in gospel ministry by praying. This is what we see in Paul in this passage in verses particularly 30 to 32. Paul was confident and boasting in his work because Christ was working through him. We saw that last week. And yet, even though Paul is confident, he says, I am boasting in my work for Christ, even though Paul was confident in Christ's work through him, that did not lead Paul to feel cocky or feel like he is beyond the need for prayer support. As a matter of fact, here we see Paul so explicitly asking the Church of Rome to support him by praying for him. Do you see that in verse 30? I appeal to you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf, that I may be delivered from the unbelievers in Judea and that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints. So that by God's will I may come to you with joy. Well, friends, do you see how Paul, even though he's confident in God's work through him, he is actually asking others to pray for him. Prayer leads to confidence in God. And confidence in God leads to more asking for prayer. It's when we we are not confident in God that is then when we don't pray. One of the graces the Lord gives me, has given me in the last few years, is that, particularly in times of discouragement, to develop the instinct of saying, I need to get away. I need to find some time of quietness and just read Scripture and pray. Because the only way to deal with the pressures and the discouragements and the hopelessness or whatever whatever comes our way is to actually seek the Lord in prayer. And not only to pray personally, but to engage others and ask others to pray as well. Confidence in God leads to prayer, and prayer produces more confidence in God. Paul is not only developing this instinct of praying for himself, but he's asking others to pray for him. Oh, friends, does your prayer life reveal that your confidence for ministry... And life and walking with the Lord is in Christ. Does your prayer life reveal that your confidence is in the Lord? Do you ask others to pray for you? Do you ask others to pray for what's going on in your life? Do you engage with others to pray for the ministry that God is doing among us here? And through the ministry partners that we have. I love that as a church we continue to prioritize the corporate prayer service. Uh, In the summertime, we are only having one a month. So many people traveling. But we're going to have one tonight. And I want to encourage you to come tonight. Because in it, we are doing, as a church, we are striving together on behalf of others before the Lord. Because prayer, committing to pray, doing so both personally but also corporately, is one of the ways we partner in the gospel ministry. You know, in our evening services, for those of you who have not been to our evening services, we pray for a number of things regularly. The first thing we pray for is praise. We adore God. We begin our service not only with singing songs of adoration, but our first time prayer is to adore God for who He is. Then the second time around we go in in a circle of prayer, we pray for evangelistic opportunities. The opportunities that we've had or are about to have, and even when it's crickets, no one has any opportunity to, to share the gospel, then we're going to pray for opportunities that the Lord will give us. No matter what, we're always going to pray every Sunday night when we gather for prayer for evangelistic opportunities. We also pray for gospel ministry partners. We give updates uh, on how, what's happening with some of our partners, uh, whether those are here in our city like the Pregnancy Resource Center Uh, or other ministries that we partner here, or to the ends of the earth. I mentioned that tonight. We'll be hearing a ministry update from the Middle East, uh, and we'll be praying for that. Uh, We pray also for a nation of the world. Every prayer service, we seek to pray for a a special one nation of the world, and we're over half of the nations of the earth praying for them. We want to be a house of prayer for all nations, as Jesus has expected us to be. We also want to pray for ministry needs and member needs that are going on in the life of our church. But in doing so, we are committing to strive before God in prayer on behalf of others. Partnering with others should be costly. And ministry is a costly service. A prayer is a costly work of the ministry. Look at verse 30. Paul says, I appeal to you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ, by the love of the Spirit, to strive together with me in your prayers. Prayer is not easy. Some of you may be relieved to hear that because some of you think prayer should come easy and naturally. No, th- this is talk about striving. This is, this is an act of, of working, taking effort, taking focus. I love how one Bible teacher put it beautifully. Prayer is a striving with God, perhaps echoing Jacob's wrestling with God in Genesis 32. It's a hard and demanding work. By their prayers for Paul, they play a vital part in Paul's own ministry struggles. Prayer is a costly part of gospel partnership. So I invite you, come tonight. Come every Sunday night when we have a prayer service because in it, through it, we gather specifically for the purpose of striving together in prayer now what should motivate us in this partnering by prayer notice two reasons paul gives by the name of jesus christ and by the love of the spirit in other words the name of jesus and the love for others should be enough motivations to lead us to gather to inconvenience ourselves To pray for others. Have you thought of loving others by praying for them? Have you thought that when you commit to pray for others, you're actually exerting, demonstrating a means of showing love, of loving them? And it also helps if you send them a note and just let them know that you've prayed for them. It encourages them. But consider that our desire to strive together To pray for others is not only so that the name of Jesus would be spread to other places, but also so that it would be a demonstration of our love for others. Friends, for those of you who are members in this congregation, I encourage you to use the membership directory as a prayer guide. Pray for the members of this church regularly. Because we partner with one another in the gospel ministry by praying. Praying will not cost you money. It'll cost you time. It'll cost you focus. It'll cost you priorities. It'll cost you something. But we partner together because the name of Jesus is worth it. And last way we can partner together, not only by giving, not only by praying for others, We finally, thirdly, we partner in gospel ministry by spending time together. We partner in gospel ministry by spending time together. Look at Paul's hope in this passage at the end of this text. He says, if the Lord answers the prayers, he hopes to come to them. And look at verse 32, so that by God's will, I may come to you with joy and be refreshed in your company. Now just think with me for a moment. This as I was working through this passage, I was struck by this part his hope that he, the apostle Paul, would be refreshed by them. Now at the beginning of the letter he told them that he wants to come to visit them, to be with them, to impart them a spiritual gift. Even in our text he hopes, he says, when I come to you, I pray that I will come in the fullness of the blessing of Christ. He's hoping to come as a giver, And yet he also realizes, oh no, it's not just me encouraging you and strengthening you. I'm coming to you also hoping that I would be refreshed by you. The Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul who wrote a third of the New Testament, needing other believers to refresh him, to encourage him? Yes. If the Apostle Paul needed refreshment from other believers through the means of fellowship, of spending time with other believers, if he needed it, what about you and me? Do you, think, do you live the Christian life with the sense that you can just do it on your own, solo, isolated? The Apostle Paul shows us this need that he has, and this is what the, the Lord has, has designed us to be as a congregation, as Christians, that we would not be solo Christians, living our lives isolated from other relationships with other believers. And in those relationships, Paul is hoping that he would be refreshed. Yes, we want to know and be confident in Christ working through our labors, but realize that Christ is is working through the lives of others and using the lives of others to encourage each other, to refresh each other. Friends, God made us to receive refreshment through our intentional getting together with one another. Do you see getting together with other believers as a means of getting refreshment for your walk with the Lord? Or do you think you can do it solo? Now, I understand sometimes churches or even friendships and relationships go through rocky places. And sometimes getting together is not... A means of refreshment, but a means of more bitterness and more frustration and more disappointment. It's not, I get it, it's not always refreshing to get together with other believers. Some of you are nodding your heads and understand. But even when it's difficult, this is the aim, this is the ideal, this is the aim of, of cultivating those gospel relationships is that through them, through our act of getting together with other believers, we would actually be refreshed. Oh, friends, Christian fellowship should, meet, should be a means of refreshing as a two-way street. And it was a two-way street for Paul. He saw himself both as a giver and as a receiver. Ask yourself yourself, are you inclined, and some of us on this spectrum are inclining in one direction more than the other. Some of us see our responsibility more to be just on the giving side. I want to be here, so I'm going to, I want to help others. But those who are on that spectrum have a hard time realizing or acknowledging the reality, but they also need to be ministered too. And they need to be on the receiving side as well. Sometimes in our, some of us in our desire to be independent and self-sustaining, we just know how to, how to do it well for others, and we're all in on serving others, but we are a little more cautious of opening up to let others know that we also need to receive it. So some of us are on that side. Others are, are very clearly on, I know I need others, and I, I'm longing, I'm hungry for others' reaching out and I need that refreshment from others. And, and, and sometimes those who are on this side don't realize that, hey, listen, it's not just to be on the receiving side, it's also to be on the giving side. On, on each side, we must actually recognize the two-way street. We must be both givers and receivers. And ask the Lord, help you see which stage of life are you in? Are you in a season where you're more in need of, a, of receiving or of giving? Which comes easier to you? The point is, it's a two-way street. And when a church is filled with people who are ready both to give, but also vulnerable enough to realize, I, I also am here because I need you, that, that, that cultivates humility. That cultivates vulnerability. That cultivates the, the, the need to realize, I cannot do it alone. So ask the Lord to help you discern, where are you on the spectrum? We see with Paul that he's doing both, confident and ready to give, but also confident and humble to know that he needs to receive as well, and he's doing both. We should be strategic in how we spend time with ministry partners. So this idea of sharing time with each other is not only about our membership, how we how we are intentional in our, in our care for each other as a church family, but it's also how we care for ministry partners. So, for example, the elders are trying at least once a month to be in contact with Ruth Fulmer through Zoom. Uh, I try to be in contact with Titus Hakim on a regular basis. But we're hoping that more than just the elders, members in the congregation reach out to our ministry partners, whether it's an email, sending a care package. Uh, we're hoping and praying that we would form a uh, care teams for our ministry partners so it's not just the elders who are initiating these care conversations but various members in the church are taking on themselves the the desire the responsibility to be looking out for our ministry partners so we don't just provide or send resources but we also care for them by just reaching out to see how they're doing, how we can be praying for them, rejoicing with them when they're rejoicing, crying with them when they're going through difficulties. It's that thought that someone is caring for me and thinking about me across the ocean. It means so much. Friends, we want to, um, I I want to let you know one other story. I still hear from Sebastian and Lois, when they were here during the pandemic, eight months with us, they still brag in Romania about, the meaningful conversations they've had and what they saw here when they were with us for that time of six to eight months. It was a means of refreshment for them when they were here. Well, it's that kind of just caring for each other that we want to do not only for when we are here together, but for those who are ministry partners serving in other parts of the world, that we would would take time to reach out so that they would know. We would give them updates about us. We would get updates about how they're doing this is the the partnering for the gospel it's the partnering through the ministry of presence we can partner with finances we can partner with prayers we can partner with presence not gifts presence the idea of and through zoom even just reaching out to feel like we're close even though we're far I also encouraged that some of our sisters, uh, Talia and Ariel, visited Ruth a few weeks ago just to, to have some time to visit with her. But it's this gift of being with, whether it's in person or on the phone or on Zoom, that we can actually as a church grow in effectiveness of partnering with others. That's why we rarely just give to people or organizations that we don't know much about. We want to have that personal connection with our ministry partners. Because it's not just about sending money. It's also being involved in that caring, personal relationship. But all of this, all of this, my dear friends, is for the sake of partnering together for gospel ministry. We partner together. We spread the gospel because we realize that spreading the gospel is not a solo experience but requires partnering with others, meaningful partnership, costly partnerships. We partner by giving, we partner by praying, we partner by spending time with others. Friends, Jesus is worth it. The, the transformation that the gospel brings to us, and most of us here are, have tasted that transformation that transformation, we want to see it promoted, we want to see it multiply, we want to spread. so be intentional with partnering for the gospel ministry. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the way you remind us, refresh us, to realize that this work of gospel ministry it's not an isolated solo experience. Father, thank you that even in our membership covenant as we are members of this congregation we have partnered together to display jesus through our corporate witness as a church and father we desire to partner with other gospel partners throughout the earth and throughout this land and we want to have those partnership relationships to be meaningful and refreshing father would you help us in that because we believe that jesus is worth it in the name of jesus we pray amen